margin. And this morning we're going to continue on the miracle of margin. And I just want to start by asking you a few questions. Uh, how many of you would say, I'd love to have a little bit more time, maybe to myself, to rest or to enjoy things? How many of you would do that? Raise your hand. I mean, the rest of you got plenty of time. I mean, okay, let's, let's try that again. How many of you would say, I would love to have a little more time, maybe for myself to rest or do something I enjoy? Amen. Okay, maybe I didn't say it clearly. How many of you would say if I had more time, I, it would be awesome? Yeah. Come on, you got to raise your hand. It's not that cold in here this morning. Okay, how many of you would say I would love to have more time to spend with the people I love? If you're sitting next to somebody you love, you better raise your hand. Or they might pull out a gun and shoot you in church. It happens these days. How many would love to have more time to spend with God? This would be an interesting response. I figured you'd all raise your hands because you know God's watching. It's a funny thing. An article in the USA Today said that the average American spends 28 hours a week watching television. Wrap your mind around that for a second. 28 hours a week watching television. You know, that's the equivalent of three eight-hour working days. Watching TV? Now, I know it's football season, you know, and a game lasts three hours unless it goes into overtime. I mean, I'm not talking about football season, but, you know, we're all exempt from that. You know, just, (laughs) you see, I make things fit how I want them to fit. You know, by the time you reach your 70s, if you're that person, you will have spent 10 years sitting behind a TV Think about that. Ten years of your life sitting down watching the stupid television. I'm guilty. Listen, there's seasons I go through where honestly, I just I just veg out on the TV. And this is usually that season. Why? Because it gets dark at five o'clock. Right. I can't chase the pigs and the chickens when it gets dark. They all want to go to sleep. They're like, leave me alone. You done fed me. Let me be. So I have no reason to be outside. You can't do anything. I said, so what do you You come inside? You take a shower early, you eat supper, your belly's full. What do you do? You watch TV. And now instead of watching TV for one hour before you go to bed, you watch it for three hours before you go to bed. Right? But man, we got to get control of that, right? I mean, listen, you can turn it off. I just want you to know that this morning. You really can. You can turn it off. And you can actually change your routine. Uh, this is for me, okay? I, the, the, put a mirror in the back of the church. This is for me. You, you can turn it off and you can read something, okay? You can get on the floor and play some board games. And the reason, you know why they're called board games, right? Okay. I'm not a fan of board games, but my kids love board games with me while I'm bored. No, I'm just picking. <laughs> But you can do those things, right? Remember, we're talking about margin. You say, well, Pastor, I wasn't here last week. What does margin mean? Well, well, margin is this. Margin is the amount of available, the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the difference between what you have and what you need, right? We just started this new financial series with my life group. We're going through Money Life by Crown Financial Ministries. And, and one of the first things that it gets into is, is needs versus wants, Right? And listen, I hate 
talking about needs versus wants. You know why? Because I spent my whole life convincing myself that my wants are actually somehow kind of my needs. Come on. I mean, I've spent some good hours doing that. Good reasoning, good justifying. Oh, well, I got, if I don't have this, then I don't have that. Then I can't spend more time with Jesus. Pray for me. But there's a difference. We got to have a margin. Amen. We all need a little margin in our lives. In our lives, margin would be having more, more than enough time. How many of you got more than enough time? Raise your hand. This side. So the rest of you need to sit on this side next week. Two people have more than enough time. It'd be having extra time. That's margin. When's the last time you had extra time? When's the last time you found yourself with nothing to do? I mean, that's kind of stupid. I mean, come on, Pastor. We all got something to do. I mean, I always got something to do. I can always find something to do. Margin would be having time to listen to your children and not working in your mind. Margin would be having time to be interrupted and be glad about it. You know, you know what margin looks like is when you answer the phone when that person calls and you're busy, right? And you go, ah, oh, nobody got time for that. I just saw somebody do that the other day. I've never really done it myself. (laughs) Margin would be having rest, having time to rest, to relax, to reflect. How many of you are looking at Christmas coming right now and going, where did the year go? Really? I mean, I'm going, wow. What happened this year? Margin is having a great amount of time to spend with the people you love. Pastor Josh made a statement last year. He said last week, he said that uh, he said, you know, when most people are lying on their deathbed, most of them don't say, I wish I would have worked a little harder. Most of them don't say, I wish I would have worked a little more overtime. What do most people say when they're laying on their deathbed? I wish I'd have spent a little bit more time with the ones I love. Right. So if we hear that. And we know that what are we going to do something or when are we going to do something about that? Because, you know, procrastination sets in and what do we do? Okay, I'll start that next year. Well, let me tell you something between now and January 1st, you're going to forget. Right. We all say, oh, I got another year and we take things for granted. Let's look at our key verse this morning. Ephesians chapter five. It says this. It should be on the screen. It says this, it says, so be careful how you live. Do not live like. Okay, let's try it again. Be careful how you live. Do not live like. But like those who are. And that, I could just shut it down right there. Simple, right? Don't live like a fool. Live like somebody that's wise. Wow. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but, cons- but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, you got to know that there's a day coming when you're going to stand before God and you're going to be judged for what you did on this earth. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. 
And you're going to be rewarded by what you've done on this earth. Amen. You're going to give an account for what you've done. And what matters the most is what you have in eternity, not necessarily what you have on the planet. But what determines your eternity is, is what you do on this planet. Not, not whether or not you get to eternity, but what you get in eternity. Amen? Is determined by what you do on this planet. Foolish living is living your life with things that don't matter. Filling your life up with things that just don't matter. Right? Like 28 hours of TV. I'm going, man, what is on TV that's going to cause you to go 28 hours a week watching TV? Man. There's not enough good football games on TV to watch 28 hours worth of TV. Well, there was a couple good ones yesterday. but <laughs> Last week, we, or, or this week, we're going to talk about the... the Living a marginless life, how that affects your spiritual life, how, how living a life with no margin. You know, Pastor Josh talked about, uh, do you find yourself always running late? Did you get to church at halftime? I thought that was pretty good because a lot of people get to church at halftime. About a second or third song, man, the, the crowd comes in. So I'm getting to where I don't even come in. Or I don't even pay attention to, the, to who's standing in the audience until the third song. Because then I know that that's the crowd that we'll have for the day. You see, as a pastor, you, you look at stuff like that because you're my sheep and I get to take care of you and I care about you. So that's why I count. But are you always running late? Do you never have enough time? Are your relationships short and brief? You see, that's the result of living a marginless life where you don't create any space in your life for others. I hadn't even got to Jesus yet. I'm just talking about others. Are you with me? Is your day so crammed up that you can't stop and talk to people? You see, I sold my company in April and my life's been on a, a, a tornado ride for the last couple of months. And every time I think it's getting better, it, it just I realize there's more things that God's peeling off of me. But I'm not the visiting type of guy. OK, if, if one of the qualifications of being a pastor was that you had to sit down and visit with people, I would have never qualified. You follow me? I'm just not that type of person. My family wasn't that way. That's not my excuse. I have changed since I married my wife, who is very outgoing and never meets a stranger. So I, I quit my, I, I, we sold the company. I, I'm full-time pastoring now. And the other day, my neighbor just had back and neck surgery, and I hadn't talked to him in a while. And so I'm getting ready to leave now. I got a list, okay, of things I need to do today, Okay. I know in my mind, because when I wake up in the morning, that's what I'm thinking about. I got to get this, 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 and this done before the sun goes down. And so I'm, I'm climbing in my truck to go do my thing. And I see my neighbor outside and I go, let me go visit with him. So instead of walking across, my truck was already started. I drove around, pulled up in his driveway. I rolled the window down because I was, wasn't planning on killing the truck, right? Because I don't want to stay that long. Because why? I got things to do. So I pull up, I roll the window, and I goes, hey, kill that blankety blanket truck. Hang out for a while. I was like, oh, God. It was like he cussed me into doing it. I was like, okay. I hadn't been cussed in a while. And so I get out of the truck, and he's a talker. 
like Mr. Visitor. And, and besides that, he's been kept in the house for two weeks after neck surgery. That brother got some words stored up. I was like, man, I'm in for it now. So I kill my truck. I get out and we start talking an hour and a half later. I kid you not an hour and a half later. I leave to go start my day and I might have said 20 words. But can I tell you something as bad as that sounds? It felt good. I went, wow, this is cool. I made a little bit of room, a little bit of margin to go spend some time with that guy. And if you knew the background of he and I's relationship and how he didn't want to sell the house and he fought with his, his other siblings not to sell us the house and all this mess, that's a miracle in itself. Invited me to go deer hunting with a gun. I'm thinking, bro, I've wrestled too many things in my life to go mess with something with horns. But I'm believing God for him, okay? And I'm looking for another opportunity to, but I've got to create a little bit of margin, right? Because I had a choice to make. I could have said, oh, I'll catch up with him this afternoon. And never done it. Because that's how we do it, right? I'll get that later. I got these other things I got to do. Isn't it funny how we do that when you got a busy day? What's the first thing you give up? Your time with Jesus. It's on the chopping block first every time. You'll get up at five o'clock in the morning to go. You'll get up at midnight to go Black Friday shopping. I oh, thought you was getting away with it. Huh? I actually went for the first time this year. Yep, yep, I got up at six. <laughs> and like a fool, I went up there and, and, and the thing I wanted to buy, I went back to the store about two o'clock that afternoon. They still had about 12 of them. And I'm like, <laughs> I was all, the only fool amongst six that was there to buy something. And they were all going after something else. So, But isn't it funny how the first thing we'll sacrifice is our relationship with God, our time with God, our tithe for the day. 24 minutes is your tithe of the day to spend with God. And when do we give it? We give it to him first, right? That's when you should. You should give it to him first. But man, if we got something going on, right? Okay, God, look, look, I know we're good. I've been meeting with you three days straight. I'll catch up with you later. Right? I mean, this is the same God we just took communion with it's the same Jesus that prepared a table for you that loves you unconditionally it's the same one and we we take him for granted and we push him away isn't it funny how when you get you get past Jesus what do we do we do it with our loved ones next right I'll never forget a time Cheryl and I were fighting or having a professional conversation <laughs> and and I had to be at work And so I said, look, we'll just deal with this later. I'm going to work. And I left and went to work. And it wasn't good. I get to work and I call my pastor. Man of God, you got to straighten this woman out. (laughs) No, I don't ever say that because then he knows he straightened me out. So I start to tell him, you know, me and Cheryl's fighting, man. I mean, you know what? Give me some wisdom. Give me some insight. Help me out here a little bit. Am I wrong? And he goes, well, number one, you had work. 
And he didn't call me knucklehead, but I just felt knucklehead came right after that. You're at work, knucklehead. You need to be home taking care of who? Your more important relationship. Right? You see, your wife comes before your job. That was way too quiet. Your wife, especially for all you women, your wife comes before your job. And God comes before your wife. And your wife comes before your kids. Amen. But if you're not creating any margin in your life, you don't have time to spend with any of them. So let me give you a couple of margin must haves. When we get stressed and overwhelmed, the two most important things we should never let go of are often the very first things we let go of. So here's those two things. Number one is your intimate time with God. Usually two things we let, let go of when we get stressed and we get pulled and, and, and kind of struggling and we get busy, you know, every, it's funny how after last week's message, every time I ask somebody, Hey, how you doing? They go busy. I go <laughs> busy. Yeah. So number one is your intimate time with God. That's usually the first thing on the chopping block, but it's the most important thing that we should never let go of. Amen. We should never let go of that. This should be a no-brainer, a no-sacrifice. I'm not giving this up. This is what I do. Amen? I'm getting up in the morning, like I talked about with the tithes and the offerings. This is my attitude, okay? My attitude is that I'm getting up and I'm giving God the first fruits of my day. Amen? Luke 5.15 says it, but despite Jesus' instructions... The report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Who are we talking about? Who am I talking about? Talking about Jesus. Jesus had to create some margin for his relationship with God. Are y'all cold? Okay. Kill some air conditions for me. Because I'm feeling good. So I know it must be cold. That's the indicator. Jesus created space and time to take care of his relationship with God. Because why? He understood that if his relationship with God wasn't good, his ministry wasn't good. Come on, somebody. If his relationship with God isn't good, then his relationship with everybody else isn't good. You want a great marriage? Take care of your relationship with God first. Man and woman. It's not just the man. It's the man and the woman. Amen? You got to create some margin. You cannot sacrifice your time with God. Jesus went from the multitudes to solitude constantly. And it seemed like when he was being pulled on the most is when he broke apart the most and he separated himself. That's why you read stories. Like when he sent the disciples out in the boat, he said, y'all go ahead. I'll catch up. And he goes up on the mountain to pray. Why did he go up on the mountain? Cause there wasn't nobody following him in the mountain. He even had to separate himself from his closest relationships. Are you with me to create a little bit of space so that he could repent, reflect, rest, right? Restart. So he could take care of his relationship with God. Don't we need to do the same thing? Is there anybody here greater than Jesus? Thank God. 
I was about to sit down. Jesus took time to take care of his relationships. Solitude is not a punishment. You know, when you're in prison, that's a punishment. They're going to send you, send you into solitary confinement, right? They're going to lock you in a cell with no windows all by yourself. Never been there. Don't plan on going. But I knew a few folks that have been there. But th- this type of solitude is not a punishment. It's actually, watch this, a privilege. It's a privilege. And listen, this doesn't matter if you're a pastor or if you're a leader in the church. This is for everybody. I'll say that again. This is for everybody. This is important for every one of us, no matter your age, no matter your stage, no matter your position in life. This is important. You got to break away. Typically, we don't have time for God because our lives are out of line, right? We got things out of order. You've heard me say this a hundred times. What's your first, what's the first priority of your life? Your relationship with God. What's the second one? Relationship with your spouse. What's the third one? Relationship with your children. I don't know where work comes in yet. Next is your ministry. What you were put on this planet for, right? You don't put those four in order. The rest of it ain't going right. Amen. You ever drive a car that was out of line? I remember I had this dually. Yes, it was a Ford. It was a Ford dually. It was brand new. It was a lemon. I couldn't keep that thing straight for nothing. I mean, you're driving down the interstate and it's like my hand would cramp because I'm constantly trying to push left. And I don't know if it was the roads or I think it was just a truck. But I just I, so I brought it to the to the lineman shop three or four times to try to get them to set it straight, and then they'd, they'd overcorrect it to the other side, and then my left hand would start cramping, and I'm like, "Come on, guys, can't we meet in the middle?" But it never would get aligned, and so what I found myself doing is not liking to drive the truck anymore. Why? Because it was too hard. Come on, isn't that how it is in life? That when our our lives are out of line, it gets hard, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing how when you, if you wake up in the morning and give God the first fruits of your day, no matter how that is, you just, you just sit there and you give him the first fruits of your day. And then you get up and you go tackle everything that's already on your list. There's something magical that happens. I'll call it supernatural. But something happens and you accomplish the same amount you would have normally accomplished, right? But with half the sweat. Half the headache. Doesn't mean you ain't going to have problems, but you're going to be anointed to go through those problems now. Right? Your problems are going to be blessed. You're going to go to work and it's going to be like you got this thing on you. Come on, somebody. You got something on you that's just kind of carrying you through. Right? Because I've lived on both sides of that. I've lived where I, I just get up in the morning. God, I'll catch up with you later. You know, I got to pour some concrete today. I got to go, Lord. Concrete don't wait on you. And I'll fight the whole day. Come home stressed out, want to kick the dog. and But then there's days when I get it right. I say, you know what? I got a lot of things to do today, but I'm going to create some margin. I'm going to push that back. I'll reschedule some meetings. Hey, man, look, 
I don't need to meet you at 730. Let's go at 830. Everything's all right. Oh, yeah, everything's good. I just I need to take care of something. Okay. Now spend time with God. And he doesn't always change my plans. See, that's what I'm afraid of. He's going to wreck my plans. A lot of times he spends time with him and he goes, okay, I'll take care of what you need to take care of. Oh, really? <laughs> Following his baptism, Jesus spent 40 days in solitude preparing for his public ministry. Following the beheading of his cousin, John the baptizer, Jesus spent time alone to mourn. Jesus used solitude as occasions for intense and focused prayer. He used solitude to rest after a hard day of work. He used solitude as an opportunity to pray and seek the Father's will before choosing the 12 disciples. Knowing he was, he was going to be crucified soon, Jesus spent some time alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, coming to grips with the painful obedience that he was required of him. Jesus spent solitude. I believe as a believer, before you make any major decision, you need to go spend some time with God. Amen. You, before you make any kind of decision that's going to affect something drastically, you especially need to go and spend some time with God and say, God, hey, listen, help me. I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. I started making a practice of that in business. My business partner and I, before we made any big purchases, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Before we branched off into any new thing, Lord, is this what you want us to do? Sometimes it was yes, sometimes it was no, and sometimes it was whoa. Not right now. You with me? If Jesus had to break away and spend time with God, then we need to also. Amen? Amen. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Who's going to give that to you? He is. He's going to give it to you when you seek first his kingdom and live righteously. That's the word of God preaching. In other words, you take care of me is what God's saying. You take care of us, this right here, our relationship. You take care of this and don't you worry about nothing. I got you back. Right? Take care of our relationship. Live like you're supposed to live wise, not like a fool. And I'm going to take care of everything that you need. Don't you worry about nothing. You don't have to worry about paying those bills. You don't have to worry about doing this. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about Christmas presents. You don't have to worry about new clothes. Right? Because he said, I'm going to take care of you if you take care of me first. You take care of me first. Just like with communion, he's prepared a table. He's got you on his book. You're penciled in. Every morning, as a believer, you're penciled in. Come on. He's expecting to meet with you every day. Somebody say amen. I'm going to keep preaching. Number two. See see what happens when you say amen? I go to the next point. Number two, the second thing that a marginless life affects is your intentional times of rest. Now, you're going to like this one. This one really feels good. You get to rest. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to take a break. Look at your other neighbor and say, you need to take a break. God says that you should rest. Did you know that? 
It's actually holy to rest. Now it's unholy to rest too much. Because I don't want all you lazy bums in here going, oh, pastor said I can sleep. Calling in sick tomorrow. I'm sleeping all day. I want to be holy. No, not for you. You may need to go to work, Jack. <laughs> oh, funny. A marginless life will steal your intentional times of rest. How many, let me ask you a question. You can raise your hands for this one. How many of you have actually said, I don't have time to rest? I don't have time to rest. I can't, I, ain't, I don't have time to take a break. My wife and I got married and she comes from what I call a napping family. Her daddy's routine was, is that he would come home from work every day. He worked at the local rice dryer. He would come home every day. His wife, my mother-in-law is incredible. She cooked that brother meat, gravy, and rice every day for lunch. I'm like, bro, you ain't got to eat no soybean burger. You ain't got to eat no raunchy fries. You get rice, gravy, and meat every day for lunch. So he sits down and his food's ready. She fixes his plate. He sits down, he eats his lunch, and then he sits in the recliner. He gets an hour break. So he sits in the recliner and sleeps for 30 to 45 minutes. And he's not even Mexican. Can you believe that? Cajun, 100%. So my wife comes from that family where they took naps. And I come from a family where my mama's, I mean, it was a cuss word to say rest. That's the way I was raised. I mean, you don't rest. You rest when you get to heaven. That, that's what we heard as kids in church. You rest when you get to heaven. You can sleep when you get to heaven. Thinking, man, hold up. Wasn't Jesus sleeping in the bottom of that boat? Didn't God rest? Something wasn't right. Amen. But God wants us to rest. Look at Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. How many days? But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your sons or your daughters or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Get this. That's in his top 10. Rest is in God's top 10. It's right there alongside of do not steal, do not kill, do not murder, do not. Right. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Now you see that bugs me. Because I had plans this afternoon. <laughs> Me and Ethan had plans to go work in the pig pen. We were going to build another pen for one of my pigs, and then I got to do it tomorrow. I'm going to rest. But you see, that's the life I've always lived, is I'm always trying to squeeze something extra in. Are you with me? That's why I burned out in business, because there wasn't enough hours in the day. If there was rain coming tomorrow, chances were I was pouring concrete tonight. Where most wise people would say, okay, we'll wait two more days. Not me. And the guys would look at me and go, you sure you want to pour them? I'll pour tonight. That's the way I was. That's where I am today. That's what I'm wrestling with today is letting go of that. And let me tell you something. That's not easy. 
It's not easy to let go of that. You know why? Because I prided myself in what I could get done in a week's time. My reputation was that brother can get it done. Now, he might kill half the people around him, but he's going to get it done. But you know where it led me? It led me to an unhealthy place. It did. It led me to a place where I'm not healthy with my relationship with God. Or I was not healthy with my relationship with my wife or my kids. I mean, you want to discover what you are now? Just stop what you're doing and reflect back. You see, I thought I had it going on. I thought I was all that and a bag of chips. What I'm realizing today is I ain't nothing. I got a lot to work on. Starting with my relationship with God. Then my relationship with my wife. Then my relationship with my children. And then my ministry. That's where I stand today. That's where I'm at. And I'll be honest with you, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Pastor Bubba called me this morning to pray for me like he does every Sunday morning. He says, man, what do you think about this message? You ready? I was like, nope. What's wrong? I don't like this one. He's like, well, why not? I said, this one ain't good. I said, man of God, this one messing me up. He said, well, good. Wait till next week. It's about relationships. I went, oh, God. <laughs> Calling in sick. Rest is so important that God put it in his top ten. A guy by the name of Richard Swanson wrote a book on margin, and he writes this. He says, when I look deeper at the life of Christ, I notice that there is no indication that he worked 20-hour days. He went to sleep each night without having healed every disease in Israel, and he apparently slept well. Neither did he minister to everybody who needed it. Neither did he visit or teach everybody who needed it. There were needs that he simply chose not to meet. Even when Lazarus became sick, Jesus was shockingly slow to mobilize. Jesus delayed two days. Wow. And when I read that, you know what that said to me? You can't do it all. Number one. Because Jesus couldn't do it all. I don't know about you, but that takes the chains off of me. Because I never thought about that. I never had that perspective. You know what? Jesus didn't minister to every person. If, if that was the case, he'd have had a one-day ministry. Right? And he slept well. In fact, sometimes he slept through storms in a boat. So I sit here and I go, so what if I don't accomplish it all today? Meshad will be there tomorrow. That's easy for some people. For the people like me, that's hard. Right? For some of you, you're like, hey, no problem. We'll get it tomorrow. And when you say that in front of a person like me, I go, what? I'll grab you by the neck. We're going to do it today. Right? Got this spirit of accomplishment. I got to get this done today. Forget margin. We'll catch up with margin when it's raining. That's when we got margin is when it rains. 
If God the Father rested and Jesus rested, then we must rest also. A great Baptist preacher named Vance Habner said this. He said, if you don't come apart for a while, you will come apart after a while. Isn't that good? Psalms 127.2 says, watch this, you're going to love this verse. Not really. It says, it's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? God, that's a punch in the nose to a guy like me. It's useless to work all day, to get up early and work till late. I'm like, what are you talking about? You hurt my feelings. God loves to give rest to those he loves. And we just got to learn how to accept it. Amen. So where do you start? Let me wrap this up. Where do you start? I'm glad you asked that question. Number one, you need to reflect. You need to go home this afternoon, sit down and have an honest conversation with God and your spouse. (laughs) You see, that's the part I really don't like. You know, it's hard for me to sit down and say, okay, baby, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) You know, because she'll tell me. Right? She'll tell me. In a loving way, but she'll tell me. It doesn't matter how lovingly they say it. It still sounds like cussing. Right? I mean, you don't like to be told you're wrong. It hurts. We need to reflect. You need to go home this afternoon. You need to sit down and have an honest conversation with God. You say, Lord, where's my life? Where am I at today? Show me my imbalance. Show me my misalignment. Help me to create margin. Please. And then talk to somebody face to face that you're close to. I encourage you to do that with your kids. But you need to talk to God before you talk to anybody else. Number two, you need to repent. (laughs) You need to have a serious conversation with God. Then you need to have a serious conversation with your spouse. And men, more than likely... Just more than likely, there are some women that are driven like I am. More than likely, you'll need to repent. And repenting is more than saying, I'm sorry. It's more than confessing you're wrong. Repenting is actually turning and going the other direction. Repenting may be, and this sounds pretty good. Repenting may be that you get to go sit down in the recliner and take a nap. And not feel guilty. You stressed out, Josh. You look, you look well rested. You need to say words like, forgive me. I'm sorry. Help me. Amen. Number three, you need to restart. You need to ask God to show you how to start a new life that is sustainable. Maybe you need to get with your pastor or your mentor or somebody that's discipling you and say, Hey, listen, I need you to hold me accountable to this margin thing. You know, Pastor Pastor James has been talking about this margin thing, and I realize I don't have any margin. Can you just help me with that? Can you just hold me accountable? Can you just every now and then ask me, hey, man, how's the margin going? You creating a little margin? This is what I want you to do this morning when nobody else is looking around. I want you to bow your heads. Stand up with me.
I want you to get real honest right now, okay? I'm going to ask you two questions, and I want you to answer them as honestly as possible. First question is, is if you're here today and you say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I do not have consistent, intimate time with God, raise your hand. All heads bowed, raise your hand. I do not have consistent, intimate times with Jesus. Raise your hand. Good. Put them down. How many of you are so busy and so overwhelmed that you find it difficult to rest? And when you do, you even feel guilty. Raise your hand. That's good. Put your hands down. His goal for us is to spend time with him. He longs to spend time with us. The funny thing is, he doesn't always require a lot of time, but he just requires time. And our time spent with Jesus isn't for him more than it is for us. It's for us. It actually benefits us. It actually elevates your life. It actually anoints you and it actually blesses you to spend time with Jesus. And if you understand that that's the most important relationship in your life, you shouldn't have any problem getting up in the morning and giving him your first fruits. For those of you who are having a hard time resting, I just want to tell you, I feel you. It's hard for me to rest, to rest because a lot of times I can't shut my mind down. I can't stop thinking about what I should be doing. Or <laughs> I can't shut off those voices that said when I was a kid that you got time to rest when you get to heaven. And only lazy people take naps. And that word lazy always comes back. And I feel guilty. I just want to say to you this morning, guilt off of you. Guilt leave in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to understand and know that you've called us to rest. Father, you said work hard for six days. Work hard. But on the seventh day, take some time and rest and spend it with the people you love. Visit with people, hang out. Spend some time with me. Whatever you need to do, reflect on the week past and the week coming. Lord, help us to be a people that know how to rest properly. Father, we don't just rest whenever we've gone so long and so hard that our body gives out and we get sick and and we have to sit in the bed for three days because we're running some kind of a temperature or we can barely breathe. I don't want to live that way, Lord. I don't want to live in a way that my body has to tell me to rest, Father. I want to live in a way where my spirit tells me when to rest. My spirit says, you know what? You need to create a little margin. You need to take some time. I want to be led by the spirit, not by the flesh, Lord. Guilt-free, Lord. Resting, knowing that it makes me healthy. It reboots me. It gets me going to, to do greater things. 
The funny thing is, Lord, that I've seen in my own life that I can accomplish more after I've been well rested and spent good time with you. Help me to continue, Lord. Help us to become disciplined. For those of us here this morning that are struggling in our times with you, Lord, our intimate times. Lord, I pray we'll just discipline ourselves. And it won't be a hard belt whipping kind of discipline, Father, but it'll be a love discipline. It'll be us just being so in love with you that we come and we we just spend time with you. We speak to you and then we listen to you. Just as your word says, we sit at the table at the table and we just dine with you. No rush, no worries, no anxieties. Help us, Lord, as a church to create margin. It's a choice, Father. We learned last week that it's a choice and help us to make the right choices. Help us to choose to say no to the things that we need to say no to and yes to the things that we need to say yes to. Help us, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I heard this thing that Dave Ramsey said. If you don't know who Dave Ramsey is, he's a financial guru. And um, Dave Ramsey says, when it comes to your finances, you need to learn how to say no now so that you can say yes later. (laughs) Isn't that good? You need to learn how to say no now so that you can create some margin in your finances so that you can say yes later. Right? So is true with your relationship with everything else in your life is sometimes you need to learn how to say no now so that you can say yes later. Amen.